Welcome to Odo Did You Know, where we sit down with people from the University of Michigan Otolaryngology Head and Next Surgery Department and take a deep dive into something about them that you likely didn't know. The goal is to find out more about who we are, what we're passionate about, and what sparks joy. I'm Tara Weaver-Hawley, the host and communication specialist for Odo. On this episode, we're sitting down with Angie Salo, Odo's finance and business analyst, to talk about her passion for baking and how it went from a hobby to a professional side gig. We'll also talk a little bit about her current role as an assistant coach for the University of Michigan cheerleading team. So let's find out. Did you know? Hi, Angie. Thanks for joining me. Tell us a little bit about your role. I am the finance and business analyst, primarily on the clinical side of the department, but I do do some work with the research side as well. And how long have you been with the department? Uh, nine years this summer. It's coming wow. very quickly. Yeah. Wow. Congratulations. Thank you. I always like to start the conversation by asking how people got started. So can you talk a little bit about what first sparked your interest in baking? So when I was younger, my dad made all of my birthday cakes for me and did all the decorating and everything. And I always thought that was really fun. Um, so when I maybe like 12, 13 years old, just kind of started picking that up. And then uh, during COVID, I actually took a wedding cake decorating and design class through Washtenaw Community College's culinary arts program. And that's when I really got um, interested and more into baking and cakes. And was that like there through their business develop or not business development, personal development classes at Washtenaw? It was actually a regular class in their culinary arts program. And I just audited the course because I didn't need credits and wasn't, you know, going for a degree program or anything like that. So it was just kind of a fun, interested in doing it. The chef who was instructing the course, let me audit it. And it was just a fun time because a lot of times because it was during COVID um, and only every other week was in person, it ended up being me, the chef and one other person. So I got a lot of one-on-one instruction with her. Previous to your taking the course, did you do cakes for events or other baked goods? I've done some here and there. um, And I've done like French macarons and stuff before more. So as like a, I was curious how to make them and I like them a lot and they're expensive to buy in the store. So if I can make them myself, um, (laughs) I wanted to try that. So did some just kind of like trial and error stuff and had done some cakes and stuff for like family members for, you know, birthdays or whatever. But um, yeah, after they took the class, I started doing a lot more of that. Nice. Do you exclusively do cakes or do you do other baked goods as well? Like French macarons where you make them for? Yeah. Kind of just depends on what people are looking for. I'd say primarily I do cakes, but I do some um, like decorated sugar cookie stuff and then the macarons because you can kind of endless op- options with the macarons between colors and flavors, kind of similar to cakes. So do you remember what the first event you did that where you were sort of like officially a professional? Yeah. Um, I think the the term professional is probably a little loose <laughs> here because, you know, I You're did getting... one semester of training and it's mostly just kind of because I like doing that and, um, but yeah, so I think the first one after that class, I did a baby shower and it was an elephant cake and it, I carved the cake. So it was oh, wow. an elephant kind of just like sitting on its behind, um, uh-huh. it's a big floppy ears. That one was fun. That was also very nerve wracking because I hadn't done any carved um, cake work, but um, it turned out really well. And I did actually another, you know, similar elephant afterwards after someone had seen uh, the first one I did. So that was kind of fun. 
you're getting paid to me. That is, uh, that's the definition of a, of a professional. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so, um, you mentioned baby showers. What mm-hmm. other types of events do you uh, create cakes for um, kind of anything that anybody would ask? Yeah. Baby showers, bridal showers this year, actually just in the last couple of months, I've done two first birthday party, like smash cake events. Um, and then I've done a couple weddings as well. And I think my favorite one, I got to do my brother's wedding cake Aww. last fall. So that was like a really like special personal one to do. And it was, you know, it was really nice that they asked me to do it in the first place, but it was also kind of fun because the wedding was down in Texas. So I had to do all of the baking in an Airbnb in Texas. So I had an entire checked bag of like just my supplies and stuff. So it was, it was stressful, but, but it was worth it in the end. Cause it's a lot of, a lot of fun to do. So you, so you carted all of your supplies down mm-hmm. to Texas. Um, yep. And then like, so I had made all of the buttercream frosting up here and froze it. And so I was able to check that in the bag because it would stay frozen, you know, on the airplane for a couple of hours. But in terms of like the baking that all happened down there. And when I pulled all my pans out of the suitcase after we got there, I realized that like in being checked, some of the pans were a little misshapen. So I made my brother help me like try to flatten the bottoms out and like remake the, you know, ones that had gotten the edges crushed into circles again. So um, yeah, it it was fun. The kitchen was a mess for four or five days between like the baking and the decorating and everything. Uh, But yeah, it was fun. I think that was like the largest cake I've done too. Wow. And what did the final cake look like? It was um, was a three tier. So it was about maybe two feet tall and it was um 10 inches round at the bottom the wedding itself was in at the art museum or the modern museum of art or whatever it's called down in fort worth texas um so my now sister-in-law she wanted it to be kind of themed with the modern art feel so it was a white cake then kind of with like splattered you know swatches of colored buttercream up the side and she didn't want a cake topper or anything because she wanted it to feel artsy to fit the location oh that's really neat yeah that's a and that's a cool venue to make uh, a cake for because like you said you kind of inspires the design of the cake yeah it was it was a lot of fun to do so speaking of of uh, like buttercream frosting and things like that, is there a particular technique that you really love to do, like making you know buttercream frosting work mm-hmm. or like working with fondant or shaping cakes? Yeah, so I I don't know that I necessarily have a a favorite to do because it's all kind of labor intensive. But I think the end product, I do some sugar flour work with gum paste mm-hmm. where you you know roll it out super thin and you hand like cut each petal and shape it and you know you build to different flowers and leaves and things like that. And I think that's it's a lot of fun, probably the most time intensive um decorating piece if I'm doing that for a cake. Um, but those it's it's fun because then you can airbrush or do like powdered colors on them to make it really look realistic which is fun to do I I think it's fun when you can do a cake that has some realistic elements to it and you're like wait a second do a double take (laughs) yeah (laughs) how long does it typically take you like say for instance with the cake with your brother how long did it Mm -hmm. take you kind of from start to finish to to make yeah it took probably maybe two hours to make the buttercream because I did have to make three different ones since the exterior was just like a white plain buttercream, but then one of the tiers of the cake, um, his wife really likes the gingerbread cake that I make. So her tier was a gingerbread cake with a gingerbread frosting. And then my brother is chocolate all the way. <laughs> so I did a chocolate buttercream, a gingerbread buttercream, and then the vanilla set so took a couple hours 
And then um, I baked on one day down there and that was just um, two different types of cakes. So that wasn't too bad. And then I decorated and assembled the third day. Um, and that was mostly because there were other wedding activities going on that you know I had to work around. But a cake like that, if I wanted to, I could do it in you know one full day. Do you have a least favorite thing that you would prefer not to do, but you do because it's just part of the process or because people have requested it? I think, well, the cleanup is always my least favorite <laughs> because I make, I, I really do try to clean as I go, but a lot of times it's like, you know what, it's just going to be a mess for a few days and we're going to live with it and, you know, it'll be fine. Um, but I think, um, so I make my own fondant uh, just because I okay. think it, it tastes better than the store-bought and it's certainly cheaper because I can cover an entire cake for probably like $3 with wow. like fondant that I make because it's just marshmallow and powdered sugar and I could color it or flavor it if I wanted to. Um, but that is a, a pretty intensive process to have to like knead it all and then hand color it and roll it out and everything. But the end product is usually pretty, pretty nice to look at. So I don't mind it too much, but making it is definitely a bit of a challenge. Powdered sugar is like the glitter of the baking world. Like it gets everywhere. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. No surface is immune in my kitchen. <laughs> How do you make fondant? Just you melt the marshmallows and then you yeah, add in so the powdered you know, sugar? Yep. Melt the marshmallow with a little bit of water in there. And then um, it's actually, it's kind of a disgusting process. And I know when my mom has been around, I'm like, you're not going to want to watch me do this because it's <laughs> kind of gross because the marshmallow is so sticky. I have to cover my hands and any surface that I work with in like Crisco. Oh, right. Know? And so it's like, I feel like I'm, you know, a, a doctor scrubbed into the surgery because, you know, <laughs> I like don't want to touch anything because my hands are greased up so that the marshmallow doesn't stick. Um, but then I sit the the powdered sugar into a large bowl, usually because I don't want the like melted marshmallow running all over, um, like down my kitchen cabinet. So in a bowl, I'll <laughs> do it. And I use as much as I can, like a, a bench scraper tool. It's just kind of like a rectangle, thin, you know, metal or plastic utensil that I can just start kneading it in. Um, and then it's just kind of a work by touch to see, okay, does it need more powdered sugar or does it need a little more moisture? And I'll put a little more like Crisco in there to to loosen it up a little bit. Definitely like a good forearm workout after a while. I've never really worked with fondant. I've always kind of wanted to try it. Just I enjoy baking just just as a hobby. Nothing. Yeah. yeah. I have no aspirations to do it professionally, <laughs> but it's always you know it's sort of like when you watch HGTV. It's like oh, I want to redo this now. But so when you yeah. watch like baking shows, it's like oh, oh let yeah. Me try like it. I feel I so empowered that I can do all of those things. <laughs> Yeah, I think my favorite one to watch is like the kids baking championship because I'm like, if a 10 year old can do that, I can definitely do that. So it bolsters my confidence a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> do you watch other shows like the Great British Baking Show? I think that's my favorite one or like, you the... know, I actually haven't watched that one. I don't know why, probably because I watch enough other baking shows. Um, <laughs> Uh, the one I'm watching right now is Crime Scene Kitchen, where <laughs> they like stage a kitchen to like you know, something was made in this kitchen and you have to go through the kitchen and figure out what it was. And the teams compete to like, who can make it most closely without actually seeing what was made. So it's like, you look in the trash can or the compost huh. bucket or the fridge and you're like, well, there's a container of strawberries in there, but it doesn't look like it was open. So no strawberries in this dessert. So it's kind of, that one's fun. But I watch a lot of like the Food Network baking challenges. So like the holiday baking or the, you know, spring baking, summer baking. Those ones are fun. 
kind of going back a little bit to the beginning, you said you took your first class during COVID. What had you been thinking about it up to that point? And COVID just kind of afforded the opportunity for you to be able to do it in terms of like having the time, or was it that you hadn't really been thinking about it, but because with COVID, it was like everybody had free time and a friend of mine had taken the class a few years before and recommended it. And it was just like, I didn't have the time to do like a right because it's on the regular school calendar system and it just conflicted a lot with, um, other things in my schedule. So COVID kind of made it nice because they offered during that particular semester, the class was on Saturdays. And uh, since I wasn't working at Saturdays at that point, um, I had that that free time to be able to take the class and it ended up working out really well because the culinary arts program um, had some changes after that semester and it's not offered anymore at Washtenaw. So I feel really lucky that I was able to get in and do that and have that instruction before the class was removed. And have you taken any other classes anywhere else? I've done just one like basic cake decorating class at Zingerman's a few years back, but that was just like an afternoon type one where, you know, they give you the cake and they're like, okay, well, here's, you know, some different techniques. Um, So that one wasn't nearly as involved, but still is really good learning experience to have someone there helping me uh, with things. If you could bake your ideal cake, Mm -hmm. what would the flavor be and what would it look like? That's a, that's a good question. I would probably do a, um, it's called a WASC cake, W-A-S-C, and it stands for white almond sour cream cake. And that's kind of like your traditional, like wedding cake flavor with raspberries, usually my kind of like favorite wedding cake. And then for looks, I don't know, that one, I... It usually depends on the event, like what kind of feel we're going for, like the the wedding with the you know modern art theme, or you know I did a first birthday this year that it was golf theme, so I made like a little putting green, and you know mm-hmm. that was fun. But maybe for myself, I might just keep it simple and do some sugar flower work because I don't um, I don't do that a ton, and that's that's fun to do. There's a lot of options there. So in addition to baking, um, you are also an assistant coach for the U of M cheerleading team. How did you get involved with that? So I started cheering when I was maybe elementary school or so, um, and I did competitive cheer, which is kind of like the equivalent of a travel baseball or travel soccer team. And I did that in high school. And the woman that owns the gym was and still is the head coach of the cheerleading team. And so, you know, with her connection to the university that kind of like sparked my interest in cheering in college, um, I was fortunate enough to be admitted uh, to the university and then make the team. And then after I graduated, you know, I'd been coaching for her was my first job when I was 16. I started teaching like the little babies how to tumble oh. and then started teaching, um, teams and stuff too. And so I'd been coaching for a while at when I'd graduated undergrad. And then I just kind of stuck around, um, like the team, like the environment. And I always think it's a fun thing to say that like was on the team came staff. And that's actually kind of the story for our whole staff. Cause our whole, everyone on staff was also a member of the team at some point, which I think oh, wow. is a really unique thing because you don't see that often on many like collegiate teams. What's your favorite part about uh, coaching? Oh, there's a lot. Um, I really love the athletes. Uh, it's kind of like, since I work at home uh, full-time here, uh, 
being with the team is kind of like my socialization uh, built into my schedule. And so it's so fun to see them. And I am always amazed at what they're doing, both as like students and as athletes. So getting to interact with them, even like not the coaching aspect, just getting to like interact and see all like the cool things they're doing and the things they want to do and what they're studying and what their like career aspirations are. It's always fun. But I think in terms of the athletics itself, um, preparing for our nationals competition every year is is a lot of fun to do. And then like traveling for our national competition is also a lot of fun. And then do you travel with the team when they go to um, away games and things? Yeah. So we, we kind of rotate through because it's a, it's a lot to manage on your own. So uh, away games where we have to fly, we take two coaches because we have to rent minivans to like load everybody and like the, their baggage up in, in the cars too. So um, usually about two away games a year for football, I'll go to, cause we divvy up between the coaching staff sometimes for um, basketball tournaments. It just depends on, you know, what everybody's schedules are. And we do share um, that responsibility with the dance team coach. So that one, it's not um, as heavy of a workload to have to travel to all the men's and women's tournaments. Okay. To help us to get to know you a little bit more, I have a round of short answer questions to ask. Some that are meant to be more fun or quirky. Before we get to those, though, I like to ask about people's names and find out if there's a story about why they were given the name they have. So is there a story behind your name? I I think they probably do have a reason, but there's no like, you know, funny story or deep meaning (laughs) behind it. You know, Angela, I think, you know, has ties to the word angel. So maybe they were hoping that I would turn out to be angelic. (laughs) Uh, But um, yeah, not nothing more than that. My middle name is Catherine and that's my mom's name. So that's kind of like family name that I, I inherited. Do you have any siblings? I have one brother. He is three years younger than me and he lives in Austin, Texas with his wife and their cat Posey. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, are you an early bird or a night owl? I, I don't know. I, when I'm <laughs> up in the morning, I'm up. I don't like to have to wake up early in the morning, but I, I don't need to like drink coffee or anything. It's just kind of like, like a light switch. If I'm up, I'm up when I'm out, I'm out, but I think probably more of an early bird than a night owl. Cause I don't love being up late. <laughs> My body doesn't like that either. <laughs> so kind of along with that, um, and you maybe hinted at it, do you hit the snooze button or do you get, do you get up right away in the morning when your alarm goes off? I get up right away when my alarm goes off. And usually I feel like I have some kind of like alarm clock anxiety because whenever I have an alarm clock set, like I can never sleep to it. But my body is like, no time to get up now. <laughs> I, I mean, I guess I don't hate that because then I do have a few minutes where I can just like lay in bed and like mentally prepare to get up and do whatever I'm doing. But yeah. Do you collect anything? Do I collect anything? Um, I don't think so. I'm trying, I'm like going through like the rooms at my house and I don't. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't. Did you collect anything <laughs> as a kid? Um, Beanie Babies, for sure. I actually just went through like a bunch of stuff at my house to like pare down and found some like of the Beanie Babies that my mom, when like I moved out of the house initially was like, oh, you might want to keep these. (laughs) And I think I ended up keeping like maybe two just for like, you know, memories or what have you. But yeah, I don't, don't really think that, you know, I get at American Girl Dolls, but I don't know that I would call it a a collection per se. Roller coasters, yay or nay? Yay. Yeah. Yay. My mom actually, when she was in college, 
she and her sisters worked at Cedar Point during the oh, summers. Wow. <laughs> so our families always went. And so it was my whole extended family. We would go to Cedar Point every, every summer and the moms would like take the kids in the morning. So the dads could go ride roller coasters and then they'd switch halfway through. Um, so definitely a roller coaster person. Don't like waiting in the lines, but the roller coasters themselves. Yay, for sure. And do you like the bigger, the better with the more loops, the better or? Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely yeah. more like, um, speed, height, like twists and turns and like spinning rides. I those don't do too much for me. Okay. And then lastly, is a hot dog a sandwich? I've heard this argument before and I don't know <laughs> that I really have an opinion on it. It's definitely not like your traditional sandwich where you think of like some lunch meat and like some veggies and some cheese or something. But I think if you're thinking of like the construct of like something between two slices of bread, then sure. Yeah. <laughs> Alrighty. Well, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast and telling us about yeah, your baking and having me. Yeah. And uh, looking forward, maybe someday we get you to bring some treats into the Absolutely. into the office. Yeah. Although it's so hard when people, <laughs> people are scattered. Are, yeah. You know, yeah. So. And then the events that we do have are hundreds of people that are a little harder to bake for. <laughs> but yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you again to Angie for joining me. Be sure to check out photos of some of her creations in this month's Photoscope newsletter. On the next episode, we'll sit down with Dr. Gabriel Corpus, director of the Kresge Hearing Research Institute, and find out more about his adventures on the high seas. Odo Did You Know is a five-episode limited series podcast with new episodes released monthly.